This is the Fulham Focus podcast. Beam us up, Scotty. Hello. Right. <clears throat> it seems that Sky Sports wants Brentford FC to be promoted. At least show a bit of neutrality. English press getting worse by the day. I'm not sure. Let's have a look. Championship playoff final. Fulham fear Brentford, says Emiliano Marcondes. If all goes well tomorrow and Brentford end up winning, Wembley will be our toughest game in years. Scott Parker will have to be on point tactically. Brentford's movement in between the lines is as good as any Prem team. It could do with it being 7.45 now, or 10pm with the trophy in hand. When I tell you Brentford are going to roll over teams next season if they're promoted, a lot of the big six teams need to be worried. Up the football league we go, when we get promoted, this is what we'll sing. We are Barmy Brentford Army, Thomas Frank is king. Leeds, Brentford, Premier League football next season. Brentford are probably the smartest and best run football club in Britain. When asked if the BMW Strike Force will remain at Brentford beyond the summer, Thomas Frank with a smile replied, yes, because we are going to be in the Premier League. Brentford's BMW gets the most limelight, but where would they be without Golden Glove winner David Raya? Brentford said Ben Rama looks likely to be playing in the Premier League next season, but he hopes that it's with the bees. Ben Rama deserves to play in the EPL next season. Think our fans are becoming a bit obsessed with Ben Rama when he literally could be a Premier League player by the end of the night. BBC Sport. Griffin Park. Can Brentford give ground perfect send-off by winning promotion to the Premier League? Silk and Steel, The Guardian. How Thomas Frank gave Brentford reason to dream big. Danny Higginbotham. Brentford's BMW will drive them to the championship playoff final win over Fulham. Bees TV. Fulham haven't beat Brentford since November 2016. Crying emoji, bee emoji. And even then, they hadn't beat us since August 2014 in the League Cup before that. Hashtag, who's tin pot now? Joe Bryan, what do you think? We've been written off five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. I think I even read somewhere that we were supposed to be scared of them, but we took it to them. That's my boy. We did it. The whites are going up. Hello, welcome to the Full and Focus podcast. My name's Matt Boisclair, and thanks to J-Mac for producing that magnificent piece of poetry. Brentford's BMW stalled at the most important T-junction in their history. Meanwhile, we were reliant on an ex-Robin to transport our magnificent club all the way back to the Premier League. Who wants to hear some giddy Fulham fans talking all about it then? We've got a full house tonight. Danny Boy, Don Love, Baldo, Matt Dom, Will and Alan in our promotion celebration show. The season took over a year to complete and with such a packed lineup, this could take equally as long to get through. So let's get straight to it. Oh, bees down, full them up. Bees down, full them up. Bees down, bees down, bees down, bees down, bees down, full them up. Bees down, full them up. Bees down, full them up. Bees down, bees down, bees down, bees down, bees down, full them up. Fulham. Well, it was an emotionally fueled evening at Wembley, as you would have expected. Where were you? Who were you with? How did you feel at the end of the game? And what did you do afterwards? Talk me through your evening, Danny. Hello. Hello, mate. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, I'm very well, mate. I assume you are as well. I assume yeah, we all are, except for those uh, lovely Brentford fans, UB's fans listening. Uh, thank oh. you for tuning in and for making it a wonderful evening for me, my family and all the Fulham faithful. Uh, yeah, I was watching it with the wife and the kids. And, and if there's ever a game to get... A young man, Jack Smith, my son, five, into Fulham. It's absolutely shitting all over Brentford's fairy tale, isn't it? I mean, it, it was the most nerve-wracking experience of my life. Um, for some reason, it always feels a bit more... You, you feel less in control watching it on TV. Well, I do anyway. And, and it definitely adds an edge of, of, of nerves to it. It just meant so much not to lose to them. And... It was just a tactical masterclass, wasn't it, from from Scotty? And you know, it's just 
when, when that Brian goal goes in, I mean, I, I I almost hit the ceiling when Cabano hit the side netting. So when 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 Brian's went in, bloody hell, I, I I went through the roof. You know, literally, it was just amazing. What a day! What a night! What a football club! Absolutely, mate. Couldn't agree more. What about you, Don Love? Where were you? How did you feel at the end of the game? Exhausted. <laughs> you know, it's it's like you said. It was a game where I didn't really care if we were promoted, but I did not want to lose to the bees. So uh, I, I was at home. I was in a room where I shut all the doors because my wife was in another room uh, on Zoom meetings, and I couldn't make a whole bunch of noise to disturb her. You know the the uh, downside of today, everybody working from their home. But uh, what a match! Oh my God, what a match! And, and, you know, I would say, while there's some players that we've got to give some extra praise to, I give it kudos to all the team. The entire team had a fantastic performance. You know, there isn't one individual that you could say let the team down or did anything so wrong that you would say, oh, my God, why why was he ever picked by Scotty to play that day? So good job, Scotty, on picking the team and managing the team for the whole thing. Really great job. Good stuff, mate. And Dom? Was there ever any doubt in your mind that we were going to do it? No. Yeah, of course there was. Of course there was. I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was a tough one. I mean, I think deep down we all thought we're going to do this a lot, aren't we? I mean, you go back 2014, they beat us, they beat us, they beat us, they beat us, they beat us. Didn't matter. The one time it matters, we get the better of them. Up we go, down they stay. I mean, in terms of, uh, I was a quivering wreck by by half time. As soon as kickoff happened, really, um, I wasn't feeling it in the day. It was very, it's different, obviously, to two years ago because the day started much earlier. We, were, we all got to Wembley. You walk up Wembley Way, you, you kind of take in all the all the noises, uh, all the different all the different colours. All, all both teams, sets of fans are there, and it's just it's full on. It was very different. I was I was at work until five, uh, like I think most of us were, and then and then it sort of it's on top of you. Um, I was shaking in fear, just like our our players were meant to be, but but luckily they weren't. And um, yeah, brilliant night, absolutely superb. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, I would <laughs> I would recommend it to anyone. What can I say? Wonderful stuff. And where were you? Were you at home watching it? I was watching it with uh, with the wife. Well, I was watching it in the same room as the wife. She couldn't she couldn't care less. Absolutely. Oh, you're joking. Oh, she she is, it's not a thing. Um, I was running up up and down the hallway when the second one went in, laughing <laughs> like a, like a crazy thing, and she had no idea what was going on. But you know, so what? <laughs> I don't care. It was um, it was my night. Superb. Yeah, I, I was at her, well. No, I was, I was at my mum's and. Um, when the first goal went in, I, I just couldn't believe it. I, I fully thought that the ball had gone wide and it had hit the advertising hoardings and I couldn't believe it when it bounced, bounced back out of the goal. And then when, when we scored the second goal, it was just, time was getting on and it was just a bit late and I was I was conscious of my mum's neighbours as well. So I ended up going into this really high pitch, we're going up, we're going up, this kind of thing. It was, it, I've never made that noise before in my life, but I think that will be, uh, be unique to, uh, to that night for sure. Alan, what about you, mate? Where were you? How did you feel? I was in uh, the pub with my parents, um, my son and my nephew. What a night from start to finish. I think we were all speaking from a few days for the lead up and it was just nerve wracking. Ever since the Cardiff result happened, you just couldn't concentrate on anything. It takes over your life for those four or five days. Um, And as the game went on, you know, we dominated it for the first half and we were by far the better team. We just couldn't score. But when Brian took the free kick. My first reaction was, what the F are you doing? And then before I had a chance to finish my sentence, the ball was in the net and, you know, it's delirium. Everyone's going mental. And I've seen the goal about 20 times and I still get that impression. I've not seen it yet. And yeah, it puts hairs on the back of the neck. And yeah, it's fantastic, fantastic. And it's a moment we'll never forget. Absolutely, and it's it's definitely lovely to get one over on Brentford. That's that's what we've been saying all week. Let's just not give them that opportunity to uh, to have those bragging rights. Baldwin, come on, talk to me, mate. I'd love to talk to you. Uh, if I'm being honest, the emotions weren't all that bad. I thought 
I, I've been a nervous wreck going in going into the game. I what because I and I said it on social media, the downside of losing far outweighs the upside of winning, just because of who it is. If you swap this game, you know, who with the opponents with Swansea or Nottingham Forest or Bristol City or any of those other teams that were in there fighting for, for the top six, it wouldn't have been as bad. It was the idea of losing to those bastards down the road that did it, that just you could, yeah, you know, I just could just you, you just couldn't fathom the idea. And when the game sort of kicked off, the nerves went away because I thought we were we were a decent team. I know you said it um, at various points during the week. So long as we play our game, so long as we play strong, we'll win. And your fruition came true. I mean, there are a couple of nervy moments. They had a few chances, but overall, as the game progressed, I knew we were the better side. It was just a case of could we keep them out for long enough? You know, there were. Couple of no, uh, uh, walking shot, I think it was. The road tipped over the bar. There was a couple of goal mouse scrambles. Plenty of chances for both sides. But it wasn't until Joe Bryan actually came up with that moment that that was the moment that really changed everything. That's when you could sort of keep calm, as it were. Because as the game goes on, you're thinking, just give us one chance to counterattack and we've got them. As soon as we got 1-0 up, I thought, that's it. Job done. Because I didn't see them coming up and getting getting another one after after playing for so long. So, yeah, fuck you, Brentford. How does it feel? <laughs> oh, so gracious of I, you to re- say I so, really eh? cannot, I really cannot stand them. They, on my list of teams to hate, it's cheating Madrid 1, Brentford 2. Then there is a long gap to, I think it's QPR at number 3. But you get my, I cannot stand those bellends. <laughs> Well, there you go. You've heard it here first. Baldwin cannot stand those bellings. I think we better get you a T-shirt with that on it, mate. Anyway, I'm going to come to you next, Will. Um, Will, the only time I can remember hearing from you in the team chat was after the um, uh, Cabano free kick. They hit the side netting, and I just posted in and said, bloody hell, I thought that was in. I was off celebrating. And you said you and your mates were dancing around your kitchen thinking it was in as well. How was it for you, mate? Yeah, no, it was great. A great match. Um I mean, I had confidence we were going to win, but that performance is something that we haven't seen really all season. For me, that's one of the best performances we've had this season. And, you know, we know Brentford have been a great side this season and they are the first team not to go up with a goal difference over 40. So, you know, that that's a pretty good stat for us to beat them in the end um, and kind of rubs the salt in a little bit, which is great. And the, yeah, the, that Cabano free kick, it just looked like it rippled the net and... I was like, he's done it again. He's done it again. He's we might he might have been injured for this match, but he's he's played and he's scored for us. But obviously not in the end. But a Brian double, and again that that makes the performance even more surprising. The fact that our left back that I've probably been slating for quite a lot of the season, as in his positioning hasn't been good enough, and then he goes and scores two to win us the biggest match this season. And yeah, it was just great. I was really happy afterwards. Um, chucked on Holby City and that made it even better to be honest absolutely yeah we've got to say yeah just for those people who didn't listen to the show the other night the um the playoff final coincided with our very own J-Max acting TV debut in in Holby City where he had um a reason a reasonably big part I suppose and he he was amazing in it so yeah if you get the chance to to have a look on iPlayer and you'll you'll see J-Max in in Holby City yeah, um, can, yeah, can we say can we say as well as good as the performances were of the Fulham players, the best performance of the night was J Max. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. What a legend. Um, I, I just want to pick up on something that, that Will said, and I'm going to come to you, Alan, with this. Um, we it, it was one of our best performances of the season, but it, we kind of we played very differently, and we we nullified Brentford rather than trying to take take the game to them a lot of the time. And we just completely stifled their attack. How did you think we did? I thought we were fantastic. And tactically, Parker got it spot on. Um, a performance like that was in the brewing. And it's it's full marks for Parker and all the backroom staff. And just for the icing on the cake to get the, um, the, the know-how of how far Raya comes off his line to get that free kick into the near post. I think it's little margins like that which make a big difference in a game like this. And from start to finish, I thought we were fantastic. We stopped the triangles on the side of the pitch. We stopped them playing. I don't think you could fault anyone out on that pitch last night. 
Well, I was confident from the moment that we reached Wembley that we were going to get the job done. Um, I felt that we had a strong first half. Um, want to know, though, Dom, I'm going to come to you with this. Who stood out in the first half for you? Did you think that we were a little bit unlucky not to come in at half-time ahead? Yeah, I think we were. I mean, Onoma's the kind of the first one that comes to mind. He's, he started brilliantly, uh, had a couple of good chances early on. There was one where he kind of pulled, should have pulled the trigger on his left foot and somehow tried to set up uh, Cabano, I think it was. He just kind of he lost his composure at the, right, at the wrong moment there, but he he was taking players on. He was he was winning the ball in the air. He was out strengthening him. He was just out muscling all of them. And you know, the, the, as the kind of last few weeks have gone on, he's he's reminded me of Musa um, Dembele the first. He's the, kind of the closest player I think we've had to that kind of strength on the ball who can hold hold players off and kind of turn into into space and and open up the gap in front of him. Um, he he stood out for me. He, he he faded, I suppose, after the first thirty minutes, but he was still putting himself about. And yeah, I, I can't really single anyone out because in that first half they were all excellent. The fact that you could see that they dealt with the pressure so much better than uh, particularly Brentford's defence. Uh, we could have scored early because they looked so nervous. But but yeah, I think Onoma probably stood out early on for me. Okay, Danny, I'm going to come to you with this because I I feel like. Josh Onema has, has changed this team from a team that has looked quite boring at times this season to a team that can really drive forward now. He's he's changed the, the dimensions of the team. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, it's such a transformation from the player that started the season and was written off very quickly. It, I, I don't know what has, what has happened to make it click. Maybe it was confidence that he needed. But his athleticism, the way he, he drives us forward... I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I see a little bit of potential of a, a Musa Dembele about him. The way he's he's strong on the ball, he never seems to, to to get tackled, no matter how many players are around him, and he he seems to have that burst of acceleration to to get away from people and drive through the midfield. Time will tell whether he can do it in the Premier League, but it's what we've lacked for the first half of the season was being able to to play through the thirds it was very sideways and back and quite pedestrian you know it was keeping the ball for keeping the ball's sake rather than to hurt the opposition and and when you can play through the thirds and, and get in behind uh, the midfield with him driving at the defense I think we've seen in recent weeks that no matter who we're playing they all seem to back off him he seems to to, to frighten opposition players now and I think that's credit to his consistency over the, particularly over the mini, the, the mini seasons. It's the restart, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he, he grows in the Premier League. Also, credit to to Scott Parker because I think although Onomas um, has been the biggest transformation, I, I would argue that maybe Scott's is even bigger. I think as the seasons developed, he's developed as a manager. Uh, I always felt that. Well, I felt in the first half of the season that if we got into the playoffs, I didn't feel he was tactically good enough to outsmart any of the top managers. And uh, that would be our downfall. Uh, But I think his awareness of where Brentford's strengths were, his awareness of what our strengths and weaknesses are as a team, you know, when to play Christie, knowing that we need Knockart in front of him because Knockart will track back and protect Christie knowing when to play Dennis Adoy instead because he's a little bit more reserved, more defensive, will tuck in and be more narrow, which worked perfectly against Ben Rama, who likes to cut in. But, I mean, he was anonymous for me. You know, I've never seen him so quiet. And it was because he just didn't have the space to to cut in uh, because we made it so compact. Um, but then not playing knockout, which was a brave move, considering he's played so much, and opting to play Kamara knowing that having a doy really a doy over Christie really sort of impacted on how little we could get up the pitch so he just got the balance spot on and 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 I think he he come of age yesterday Scott Parker yeah and I just want I just want to add on the end of that Danny you mentioned him briefly it, you know we're talking about you know individual performances who stood out I want to give a huge round of applause to Abubakar Kamara who I thought was absolutely outstanding. 
last night, whether it be his hold-up play, which he gave Potter Janssen a fright on a couple of occasions, whether it be running running at them in his usual bull-in-the-china-shop approach, whether it be chasing down the goalkeepers and the defenders, I thought he was at incredible and there's been some doubt about whether or not he's a 90 minute player i have said that he's he's a substitute player at best um and to to an extent i stick by that but i just thought his overall performance last night was incredible in such a in such a big occasion taking the place of alexander mitrovic who his fitness was up in the air was he yeah well his fitness wasn't up the air he wasn't fit as he clarified as he clarified later but yeah i thought his role in sort of leading the line, whether it be out wide or through the centre, either was a he made a huge step up from where he has been in the past couple of years, and he and even this season he's had his usual donkey moments. But I thought I thought he was incredible. Yeah, nice one, very very nice point. I thought Brentford kept possession well in the second half, uh, but their BMW seemed to have broken down, and I still fancied us as the more likely team to score. I just felt that Brentford got stage fright on the night, and our experience and quality saw us through. Will, what what do you think? Do you think that they just they just froze on the night, or do you think that that was a credit to the way that we played? I think it's a bit of both. Um, I don't think that's anywhere near as well as Brentford have played this season. But like I said earlier, I think it's one of our best performances this season. And like the others have just said, credit to Scott Parker because he got the tactics exactly right to shut down Brentford and their front three, and their midfielders. So, yeah, I just think it's great. And I just think Parker seems to show passion for the club now, knows what he's doing. And we look at teams like kind of Arsenal and Chelsea, who are going for long-term projects, but obviously are higher up than us, so they can probably afford to take a few risks. Whereas for us, it's riskier, but it's something that I want to see. The long-term project with Parker is a great idea. And clearly, he knows what he's doing inside the club with the players he's bringing in, the players he works with, and the fact that he's improved a lot of players whilst he's been here, and that's only for a season. So fair play to him. And also with the subs that he made, Mitrovic, when he was about to come on, I was saying, yeah, get him on, get him on. And then he went out to warm up for a bit longer. And I was thinking, no, Scott, what are you doing? But in the end, it was probably the fact that Mitrovic came on that bit later that changed the way we played, that definitely got us the second goal. And yeah, I just think it's a great tactical move by him. And realistically, he knows what he's doing better than all the fans. And that really showed last night. I would also like to add with um, Brentford, I think they put a lot of pressure on themselves before a ball was kicked. I think going into the game, the whole the whole of the club and a lot of their fan base put extra pressure on themselves. Um, and I just don't think we let, we allowed them to get started. We didn't allow them to have any fluency in their play and, yeah, just I just think that they certainly put too much pressure on themselves going into a such a huge final against us. Yeah, I would agree, Alan. You know, and, and I, it goes back to what Frenchie was saying earlier. You know, they they talked a really big game. They talked a lot of shit online. You know, I loved when KMAC went and trolled what's his name with the funny faces, saying, "Yeah, get a get a grip there, buddy." They they came out. I think this is where Fulham showed they had the experience and. It really does go back to even if you want to break it down to its basics, the back four, you know, you had Tim Ream, you had a you had Brian, you had all these guys that, you know, they pretty much have been there before and seen it. So kudos to the back four, because I'll tell you what, it's, it's like Danny was saying, they knew to cut in, to cut the angles off, not to let these guys get on their better foot, you know, some incredible moves by these guys, you know, who threw their bodies, literally Hector coming out at that one time. I thought that one, there was a chance where, you know, Brentford was in the box and I thought they were going to score for sure. And Hector just literally slid in through his entire body in to block it. Uh, Tim Ream coming up, making some huge, huge headers. So, you know, let's not just forget uh, or let's not forget that, you know, while it's a whole team effort, it really did boil down to how Scotty set up those back four and had them defend the entire game. So, Fantastic display once again by you know Hector, Tim Ream, Adoy, and and you know Brian. Oh my God, Brian on the day. So good job, guys, on that back four. Really, really proud of them. See, for me, uh, it's hard to um, justify it because obviously playing in the Europa League quarterfinal is, is a much bigger achievement. But it reminded me of Wolfsburg away 
they were obviously um, very, very much favoured going into it, whilst Wolfsburg, you know, at home were the German champions at the time. And to see Fulham dictate a game, and it, it was like men against boys. I think we firmly put Brentford in their place, and they just didn't have an answer to it. And it, and it was very, very like you know the tactics were spot on, but it was it was a very well drilled, well organised performance. It didn't have to be three or four nil. You know, when we beat Wolfsburg, it was one nil in the end, but it was just the perfect away performance. And and that's what it reminded me of. You could really see the experience of the team shine through and and the fact that Brentford had never been on that stage before individually. And I I do agree. I think they put too much pressure on themselves. I think they believed their own hype a little bit too much. And it was a combination of the arrogance of Villa and the sort of naiveness of, of, of a small club that had never been in that situation before. And a combination of the two, I think, just imploded. And, you know, we, on the, on the other hand, were, were just very calm and collected. You know, it was just very, very professional, I think is the right word. And, you know, I, I've learned a lot of lessons from, from what happened with Slav and the way we, we um, had a lack of patience with him and, and sacked him, regrettably. And I don't think we should make the same mistake with Scott. You know, we've got to remember that, for me, the most important thing about Fulham is that it is has got a family mentality and we are very lucky to support a club where people feel they belong and feel happy to be there. And I think you could see on the faces of all the players last night how much it means to them to, to be part of this team and, and how much it means to Scott. And, and if you speak to people around the club, behind the scenes, they'll tell you what a nice guy Scott Parker is. So, you know, I've even... I'm going to, you know, eat humble pie and apologise for, for maybe having a lack of uh, patience with him. And, you know, next season, I hope the football is not as boring, but I'm going to be a lot more patient with him because I think as a club, we're in a good place at the moment. Good stuff, mate. All right, well, there'll be more of this after this little break. Oh, don't you know, pump it up, the whites are going up. Don't you know, pump it up, the whites are going up. Don't you know, pump it up, the whites are going up. Fulham. Right, well, so we went to extra time. On came Mitrovic, who admitted after the game that he was not only not fit, but he probably wouldn't have even started training for 10 more days. Yeah, he's come on in the playoff final and played half an hour, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But it's the mark of the man, isn't it? He's just a, a head case and a bit of a legend as well. But he did have a sore hamstring and you could see that by the way that he was moving. But in a shit or bust game, I completely get why you'd want to throw him on. And uh, I'm pretty sure that nobody in the end saw the hero being Joe Bryan. We talked about it on the show that we did a couple of days ago. And I asked everybody that was on who's going to be the hero. And I think we had a, a Kamara as a suggestion, but nobody picked Joe Bryan. And after Mitro had applied a choke slam on a Brentford player as, as we waited to take the free kick, Joe Bryan just caught everybody by surprise with a moment of absolute brilliance at the end of the first half of extra time. And listening to Scott Parker after the game, it was something that the lads had planned after seeing how the goalkeeper positions himself for these types of free kicks. Dom, how did you feel when that ball flew in the back of the net? And did you, did you see it coming? Were you expecting the cross? Well, talk me through your thoughts. If anyone saw that coming, I don't believe you. You're you're a liar. No one apart from Joe Bryan, Scott Parker, maybe Stuart Gray saw that coming. I don't think even uh, the rest of our players on the pitch saw that coming. Um, just just incredible. The, a to the fact that the coaching staff have have gone into the enough detail to know that this is a weakness in their keeper's game, and to know that 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 there might be a situation where this comes up. Then Scott Parker, he you could see him. He was doing the, the kind of mime to, to sort of say go go long and put it long in the box, and obviously at the same time was telling Joe Bryan to whip it into the near post. All of that, but to actually be able to 105 minutes into a game get the perfect contact on that to curl it around the keeper in, just inside the near post, just incredible. I think that that's got to go down as one of the most memorable playoff final goals ever. <laughs> just and Joe Bryan, I mean. I'm absolutely delighted for him because I think it was after the Leeds game, he, he, he'd he come back from, from lockdown and he wasn't playing well. He got dropped. I can't remember which game it was where that he missed out. 
he got dropped as Roy come in, played well. Brian came back in. And since then, I think his, this has been his best spell for us as a player for us because he's been phenomenal defensively and going forward since then. He's really upped his game defensively. And, and to see for him to be the hero, it's just it's just incredible. And I think everyone must be so delighted for him because he was buzzing. And the adrenaline that gave him to for him to get up get up the pitch to play one two with Mitro to score the the eventual winner was just just unbelievable. What a man! What a man! Yeah, he's he's not always had the best of times at Fulham. He was defensively exposed quite a bit uh, in the Premier League, and also probably uh, at times this season as well. He's been criticised. But I, I don't want to move on yet. I want to talk more about this goal. So I'm going to come to more of you for your thoughts. Will talk talk me through your thoughts when that ball at the back of the net. Yeah, well, I think like Dom says, no one's expected that. Um, I think probably we weren't. We were probably just waiting for it to be whipped in, so no one was, you know, paying a hundred percent attention to the TV. Next thing, you know, you glance up, see see how the free kick's gone, and it's in the back of the net. And oh, it was it was mental. Um, yeah, it was just insane. Uh, a credit to Scott Parker because that shows kind of how he's developed as a manager over the season. The fact that he goes into that much detail and the fact that he's even noticed that how the keeper comes off his line for a set piece, you know, that far back, that's great attention to detail. And, and, you know, it, it pays off. And hopefully if we keep going in this way, Parker will eventually keep doing that for bigger teams. Obviously it's going to be harder in the Prem, but if you just keep focusing on them little things, that's how you become a great manager, isn't it? And he's on the right track to be doing that. Very good, mate. Very good. And Baldo, the, uh, the victory and the, and the goal, resulted in you singing those little ditties that we've been hearing throughout the show so far. What were your reaction when that first goal went in? Well, my my first reaction when the ball went in was there was no reaction because I didn't because you because I didn't know the ball had gone in. It was very much the reverse of the Niskin Scabano one where everyone thought it was in and it wasn't. And then it wasn't until the because even the commentators were sort of caught out by it. It wasn't until the players started running away and the camera cut to Joe Brown celebrating, that you finally realise that the ball ball went in the net. So it was a bit of, bit of an odd one. So I didn't really react to it straight away. It, it, was, a, it was a bit of a delayed one. So, yeah, as, as everyone said, no one saw it coming. So it caught everyone by surprise. Yeah, you, you say it caught you by surprise. I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> I was really nervous at that point. So I actually turned away and I missed the whole fucking thing like an idiot. I turned away to knock on some wood real quick just for good luck. And by the time I turned back, it was over and I had to yell, what the fuck? I yelled it so loud. My wife come bursting into the room, thought I was hurt, you know, and I was just standing there with my hands up stunned. And I was like, holy shit, he actually did it. He actually did it. So. Yeah, I was an idiot. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, mate. As I said, I was watching the game at my mum's house and she was upstairs pissing around, messing around with the curtains. And I said to her husband, what is she doing? Why is she up there? Why isn't she watching this? And then, of course, she realised that we scored because I nearly took the roof off the house. So, of course, she's watched it many times since. Let's let's move on then. Let's talk about the second goal. And of all people, again, it's only Joe Bryan, isn't it? He gets his second goal of the game in the second half of extra time. Uh, we've talked a lot about big game players recently, but nobody would have expected our left-back to score twice, least of all him, because he's, as he said in his post-match interviews, he's never scored twice in a game before. Particularly when you consider that the second goal was from open play when we were defending a narrow lead in the playoff final, Alan. Yeah, um, it comes as a surprise to everyone. And in his post-match interview, he actually turned around and said that he can actually run, which was uh, surprising. But I just want to apologise first and foremost, because... I've slagged Joe Bryan off something rotten this season. Um, so I've been completely wrong. Done very well to to run as far as he did and show composure, which a lot of players probably would have flopped in, in that situation. But who knew he had a right foot? Because I certainly didn't. But no, nah, it was a great finish and it put the game to bed. And Danny, surely that makes Joe Bryan ingrained in the history of Fulham Football Club now. He's, he's a Fulham legend now because no one else will ever score two goals against Brentford to give us promotion to the Premier League at Wembley. Oh, well, I mean, that was the, the whole big deal about this final for me. It, if it had been Swansea or you know, someone like that instead, I think it would have been you know great to get to the Premier League, but it just would have felt a bit underwhelming. 
like most of the season has, to be honest. But the fact that it was against Brentford just added such an edge to it. We couldn't lose. And whoever came up with the goal was going to be a hero. You know, let's face it. it and he, he is a legend, you know. What a way to become a legend in 20 minutes. I mean, the first goal, no one saw it coming, did they? Uh, you know, when, like I said earlier, when Cabano took the free kick, you know, because I know he's quite good at him, I was waiting for it to go in the net. And when the, the net sort of moved, I, I jumped up. Brian's one was a delay. I, I, it was like someone paused me. I was like waiting for it to go behind the goal. I didn't realise it had gone in the net. And when all the players started running away, I was thinking, oh, hello, drinks break. <laughs> They're thirsty. No, I didn't, no I'm joking. Um, yeah, no, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, to to, to have the composure to, to take that on at that stage of the game, because he must have been knackered. And then the second goal, the way it opened up, I mean, as soon as Kenny laid the ball off to him and he was running through, I could picture it in my head what was going to happen. One, two, and then he's in, he's going to score. And that's exactly how it, it, it came about. And, you know, despite Mitro being well, not fit at all, he still gave a priceless uh, one-two to to lay it off. Because I mean, if that had been knockout, uh, judging by that final ball at the end of the game, I think he would have messed it up. But... Absolutely perfect, wasn't it, for, for Joe Bryan to, to score two goals like that. And, I mean, I can't imagine there's ever been a player, a defender, score got two goals with either foot in a final at Wembley before. It's, it's got to be a first, surely. Well, Brentford did get a goal back in the last minute of injury time. Baldo, did any part of you think we could still blow it despite the goal coming so late? No, if I'm being brutally honest, because I thought that we were... Bu- Basically, when Joe Bryan scored the second goal, I was waving my shirt round my head saying, that's it, we're promoted because I couldn't see him getting back into it, even though they eventually did. But no, the fact that it was so late, and this goes back to the days when I used to sit in Hammersmith End with a guy who was an ex-referee, and he was explaining to me how, you know, a thousand times a season, how if there's a goal scored in added time, then they have to add, I think, an extra 30 seconds or 45 seconds onto it. So I knew, I basically, as soon as they scored, I looked up at the clock. And I thought, they're not going to have enough time to get back into this because we're going to have kickoff. The ball is going to go to Rodak. He's going to hold it for a couple of seconds. He's going to whack it up the other end of the pitch. And then they may get a free kick, but it's going to be a lot. I, I, knew, it was, I knew that it wasn't going to be. I knew they weren't going to make it back into it. My, my main concern, if I'm being honest, was Rodak getting into that little bit of a, little bit of a fisticuffs with the Brentford player because he wanted to get, get hold of his ball. And maybe that have an effect. You now, if he gets sent off and it being the first three games of the season, more or less a Dennis Adoy situation from last time around. So, no, if I'm being honest, I, I didn't think they were into it. No, haha, jokes on them for not getting into it, not getting into the game till too late. Wankers, fuck them. Yeah, no, I, as soon as the goal went in, I knew the game was pretty much won. They didn't have enough time. Um, as Bordeaux just said, you know, the game was done. We, get, we got the ball kicked out for a throw in. And as soon as the throwing came back into play, the final whistle blew and delirium struck. And we all celebrated. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, as we said earlier, Mitro said that he was 10 days away from being ready to even train, let alone to, to play in a playoff final. The fact that he's come in for this game, surely there can be no doubt that he stays now, right? Yeah, no, uh, I think he's got to stay, surely. Um, there would have probably been doubts if we didn't go up. But we've gone up now. We're in, you know, the highest league in England, of course. Um, from what I've seen, he loves living in London and he loves life at Fulham. Otherwise, I don't think he would have come down with us in the first place. He probably had plenty of offers from other clubs. I think now we're back in the Premier League. He's going to be a crucial part to it, really, because although Harrison Reed has been kind of stealing the light off him in the last few weeks, there's no doubt that he's got 26 goals this season, which is incredible. And we're going to need a striker like him when we play against the bigger teams. Yeah, absolutely. Well, another another hero from last night, Michael Hector. Dom, how much of an influence has he been since he came into the side earlier in the year? Huge. Um, I mean, he immediately just started becoming one of the best players on the pitch. He's made an enormous impact. We're unrecognisable from the way we played before he signed he's probably has as much of an impact I would say as as Mitro signing 
Harrison Reed, I suppose you could put in that bracket as well. But in terms of recent transfers, he's he's right up there. It's so important to the way we play. You know, Parker likes us to focus more on the defence than than Slav did. We win one nil more than five four, for example. Um, and he's key to that. And also his the way he he's always looking for that those crossfield passes as well to kind of switch defence to attack. And and that's really important because we were lacking that somewhat before he signed. You know, I, I think if if Daniel Levy, whoever it was, hadn't fucked us about in the transfer window in, in last summer, um, we probably would have gone up in the top two. Uh, I think he's worth that many points to us. But if that had happened, we wouldn't have had the chance to dick Brentford at Wembley, would we? So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Uh, I'd have taken... I'd have taken not having him for half a season to beat Brentford at Wembley any day. Yeah, whilst we're on the subject of, of, of praising individuals, I think a big shout-out has to go to our captain, Tom Kearney. Um, he's had his doubters over recent seasons. He's had his injuries as well. And I think the majority of Fulham fans have, have had held the opinion that he's not quite captain material. But we've been promoted nine times as a club. And only two captains have been promoted more than once. And that's Chris Coleman and Tom Kearney. He's got a 100% record in finals at Wembley. And despite maybe going missing at stages through the season, when it really matters, I think he has been outstanding in both playoff campaigns. The first one under Slav against Derby and Villa. Uh, And now, again, it was a real captain's performance. I loved his tackle that he got wrong because for me, he's not the kind of player that goes in for those kind of tackles normally, but saw a different side to his game. There was a a desire to win the ball back. It wasn't just about the pretty stuff. He was, he was doing the ugly stuff uh, last night. And, you know, we've, we've given him a lot of um, criticism over the season. I think uh, Fulham focus and, some of it justified because at times I think he has slowed the game down an awful lot, but when it really mattered, he stepped up and, you know, those iconic images of him lifting the trophy. Well, I mean, after becoming the first player to score at Wembley as well, he's a Fulham legend, you know, Joe Bryan, of course, but Tom Kearney as the captain goes down as, as a Fulham great now. And I just think it was, you know, it's just appropriate that we, mention him uh, before we finish the show. Absolutely. Good. Nice one for mentioning him. Absolutely agree with you. He, he is a Fulham legend and to get promoted twice in, on, the, on the same stage is just absolutely brilliant and no one will ever forget him. I just want to come to Baldwin quickly because in the, in the, in the days leading up to this game and even you know for the semi-finals as well, Baldo, you wanted Brentford to go out as soon as possible because you didn't want to lose to Brentford at Wembley. Knowing what you know now, would you change it? That's an intrigue. I, I was I was worrying when you when you said you had a question for me. Um, no, because I think it's the sweetest way to do it. You know, Danny mentioned. It, I'm sure everyone else has mentioned it earlier. The fact that it came against that lot makes it oh the much more sweet. It, it was it was the biggest gamble. If we'd have lost, then it, it's the worst way. It was the worst way to stay down. But beating them, it's the best way, best way to go up. So, no, all things, all things considered, I'm glad things worked out the way they did. That's 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 just, that's just the way that's just the way to put it. Would I would go through it? You no, know, yeah, because it because it's it's the playoffs. It's the it is the best way to go up if you're not going to go up as champions. Because the second place, that whole last game of the season against Wigger, and if we'd have goal difference and someone had lost and won. It wouldn't have meant the same as opposed to beating that lot at, on their cup final on what was meant to be the you know, the, the fairy tale ending. The fact that we got to stomp on their hopes and dreams. It was it was lovely. So yeah, keep it as it was. Yeah, I mean <laughs> there was a lot a lot of Fulham fans, some in the focus group as well, who seemed like they were desperate for Brentford to get second in the end just so that we didn't have to face them in the playoffs and I wasn't on board with that because sure yeah that they were the best team of the ones we could have faced but if they go up then we have to go up to match them and 
if they came third, which they did, then it was in our hands to stop them. And look how it's ended up. We stopped them. We're going up. They're staying down. And it, it couldn't have ended any better. Yeah, couldn't have put it better myself, mate. Couldn't have put it better myself. It's lovely that we're leaving them behind. Hope they enjoy their new stadium, but I hope they also enjoy that lovely little derby they're going to have with Wickham Wanderers next season. Right, let's get a word on the man of the moment then, Scott Parker. He was in tears at the end of the game. We've never seen emotion like that from the man. He's constantly divided opinion throughout his stay at Fulham, both as a player and as a manager, I suppose. But that's got to be proof last night that he clearly loves Fulham and he's now forever ingrained in our history. I'm going to come to you all. I'm going to come to you first, Alan. Give us give us your thoughts on Scott Parker at the moment. He's pleased me and he's pleased a lot of us. Um, just the passion, the the emotion. You can see he cares. And being, being a Fulham supporter, all you want from someone, whether he's a player, a member of staff, you just want them to care and show they care. And you can tell that it's taken a lot out of him since he took over. Um, he, he took over at, at a corrupt time after Ranieri's tough few months. And, you know, it has been tough because we've only really had one addition to the back four. Um, and that's Hector. And as Dom rightly said, he's made a huge difference. But to get to keep the same defensive setup, Rodax came in for Bettinelli, I know. But it must have taken a lot. That defence got battered week in, week out last season. And, you know... We were a bit a bit impatient with him at times, and rightly so. But he's always said, you know, that everything we've been doing is for a reason. There's a process to it. And I think last night we saw that the reason for the process, it all come together and it come together at the right time at the biggest stage. So hats off to Parker and I hope he's here for years to come. Absolutely, mate. Will, your thoughts on Scott Parker, please, mate? I think I also was a bit patient, impatient with him at times. Um, one of the most memorable ones for me was when we lost to Hull at home. Uh, I was just thinking, you know, he's not suited to this. Maybe manager isn't isn't the best kind of job for him because obviously a lot of ex-footballers go into lots of different professions. Um, but no, I, he's been great. He's proven me wrong. Um, and he's shown not just with the results, but also with the players and how they've improved under him and how much passion he started to show and how much the players like working under him. You know, you saw with, with Brian, obviously Parker did tell him to shoot, but he then went and celebrated with the dugout and, and also Onoma against Cardiff um, went and celebrated with Parker. And I just think like Alan said, I hope to see him at the club for a long time because he knows what he's doing now. And he seems to be inside the club. He's not a manager of the team. He's, he's a manager of the club. He's in the club and he seems to really love it. What else can you say? I mean, I was I'm as guilty as anyone. Um, there were times I didn't think he was the right manager. My, my issue from the start was that we had this, we were holding on to this expensive, almost Premier League team. And when we went down, we had, we had one season, we had to get it right. We needed to go back up this year, really. Otherwise, who knows what would have happened to the squad. I I didn't think Scott Parker, who is a long-term kind of, you know, a project manager and he can only get better. I didn't think it was the right time for him to be manager of this club. I don't think he had it in him to get us back up. He's proved me wrong there. Uh, I, I was guilty after Leeds of thinking it really wasn't going to work. I thought we came back from from lockdown. Fair enough, we we played okay against Leeds, but it seemed like he was a dead man walking after that. And there was talk after that game of um, being replaced by, you know, Chris Hutton or whoever it was. But, you know, I, I never thought he, he was this cursed player, manager, that or that he didn't care or he... I, I thought maybe he lacked emotion, but it, it seems he's proven that to be just a sheer determination to to win you know he's he's won me over and it's about time we had a manager to, for the long term and and it's time to stick with him um you know fair play to you Brock Lair. I think you were the only one really out of all of us who the whole time said we've got to stick with Parker whatever happens because you you recognize before I think a lot of us did that that we need something to build on and to improve on. And and that's the only way we were going to improve as a club. And 
yeah, I hope he get whatever happens next season. I hope he we we stick with him the whole time. Yeah, I, I think for me, I'm just fed up of hiring and firing all the time. And I think once you make a decision, you need to stick by that decision and just see, just watch it play out. Um, and I'm I'm really pleased that we've done that this season. I feel like Scott Parker just. He's an ideal figurehead for Fulham because he's he's dignified, he's calm, and he's classy. And I I feel like that's you know our core values as a club. He's constantly bounced back this season from from bad results. And you know why should we get on his back just because we've lost a game? Who are we to win every single game? We're never going to win every single game, and we're never going to play play well every week because nobody does. And I, I just liked the emotion that he showed um, at the final whistle last night. That that just made me like him even more, to be honest. And long may he be manager for this football club, to be honest. Baldo, talk to me. Gladly. Um, Scott Parker, I th- Danny says that Scott Parker has come out of some criticism this year. And let's be fair, some of it has been deserved. If you look at, the t- at his results against the teams that are down the bottom of the table, for instance, you know, Two draws with Charlton Athletic, who are relegated. Barnsley, who are only relegate, who are only stayed up by the Wigan points deduction thing. We lost four 0 on aggregate to them, including three 0 at home. So the results haven't been uh, Luton. I think there was a draw in there somewhere. The results haven't been all that great at some points in the, at some points of the season. So I don't I don't want to get into this emotional. Oh, he's been fantastic throughout. He hasn't, but. He's really won me over. I don't know if it was a... He said after the Cardiff game, you know, about the desire to... When he was talking about, about Michael Hector's tackle, the desire to get there. I think there was a sort of moment where the desire to get promoted sort of overcame, just sort of turned up on the squad. And that's really what turned what turned things around. The form after the restart, you know, after the two Brentford and Leeds games, again, he deserves criticism for the way he handled that. But the way that they bounced back from that, has been absolutely superb. And if we want to go into a sort of long-term future thing, I think, and I want to bring, and I want to bring this back to Slavisi Kanovic. My whole thing with Slavisi Kanovic was the way that we handled the summer transfer window and the fact that we had spent a hundred million pounds plus or whatever. I didn't think Slavisi Kanovic was going to keep us up. That meant that hundred million pounds was effectively wasted. But under Scott Parker, and he said this last night, there's not going to be this you no know, lavish spending. There's going to be you no. Know, there's the talk about uh, Harrison Reed for eight million pounds. That's an astute signing if that turns out to be true. Uh, there'll be a couple of free agents in there somewhere. If we keep the squad core of the squad together, then I think that changes everything. Then I will give Scott Parker more time because that makes it look like it's a long term project thing, and the players will be around for the long term. Rather than you know, we see with the likes of Seri and Angisa and Fabri and all these players that you know we bring in and they're gone after a season. So next season, because I think this is now going to be a long-term thing because of the way Scott Parker's handled it, I'm not going to be as you know as critical of Scott Parker next season because we're very much up against it. I saw the bookies saying that we're you know second second favourites to be relegated. So. Yeah, if if we go down, we go down next season. Hopefully, in a lot more, um, you know, in a lot more braver effort than we did last time. But I'm not go- I'm not going to get angry if we do because I think this is the start of a five five year project for us. I'll pick up there uh, on what Baldwin's saying. You know, there are some things that are frustrating about Parker. You know, uh, for me, I, I, when he plays Parker ball. There are a lot of times where the ball is passed, like we've been talking so much about sideways backwards, where I feel like a player has received the ball. There's plenty of space for them to take and, you know, make a forward touch and conquer some of that space. And they don't. Instead, they stop. We pass it sideways. We pack it backwards. I will say that does get me really frustrated. But as far as Parker is a coach and a manager, my ideal manager is somebody who isn't going to just sit on the sidelines, scream, rant, and rave. And I know uh, there's a lot of managers out there like that, and people wish that Parker showed more passion, showed more emotion. Well, I'll tell you what, I think he showed a lot of fucking emotion there at the end of the game last night. And I think it shows to anyone who had any questions about him that he does care about this team. He does care about this club. So as far as I'm concerned, I think he's a great manager and long may he reign and hopefully he does extremely well. You know, if we get relegated, 
well, okay, we get relegated, but I think, you know, he, he's, he's doing it with his own style and his, his own, you know, idea of what the club needs to do. And I, I, I like it so far. So kudos to you uh, uh, there, Mr. Keep going and ho- hopefully you have a great season next year. Yeah, very much so, Don. Lovely words. Right, I'm going to come to Danny to, to wrap up now. Uh, a man who, as we said the other day, hasn't always been Scott Parker's biggest fan this season. Danny, come on, talk to me about Scott Parker tonight. Well, I said earlier that I think yesterday he came of age. Um, tactically, I thought it was outstanding. And we keep on hearing the commentators saying that Parker refers to having to change the whole mentality of the, the squad from from a losing mentality to a, you know, a, a positive mentality. And I don't think maybe like Slav's team, they will go into the Premier League with with the thought process. Yeah, we're the bee's knees. Well, you know, sorry to mention bees again. And we're just going to turn up and win games because we're used to winning. I, I think it's it's been a sort of like he's playing the long game rather than being short-sighted, which I can be guilty of sometimes. You know, I, I look for immediate reactions and, and results. And I think he's looking at the future as when we do get back to the Premier League, which we have, I think we now go into next season with the mentality of we're hard to beat rather than we're going to always beat you. Uh, because like you said, we're firm. We're never going to win every game. And I think we probably will lose the nil-nil record at the cottage next season. But in a way, I think that's only a positive thing because I think he's he will grind out more results and I, and I think we'll be give a much better account of ourselves next season than we did last time. You've got to give him time. I, I think that was such a, a massive game for Fulham fans emotionally. It was like praying, please, Scott, please don't let us lose to them. So I think he's earned himself um, the chance to see out the season. I think it would be naive to say, yeah, you know, let's give him a, an Alan Pardew seven-year contract and, and, you know, Scott Parker's, you know, a god. Uh, because the reality is, if we go and we lose 20 games in a row next season, everybody's going to want him to go. So I think we need to keep a bit of perspective on it. It depends how we start. It, it's still a results-based business. But he deserves the backing. And what he's proved to me is that he's not a yes-man. I always thought he was a bit soft and a bit of a yes man, but he's he's kept faith and and been stubborn at times, believing in his own philosophy. And he's evolved as a manager. And and in the end, he's proved us all wrong. You know, well, that's the ones that doubted him. Uh, Because, you know, Wembley on the biggest stage of all, it it was a masterclass. And, you know, I I just got to thank him wholeheartedly as as a, you know, a, a Fulham fan that we don't have to stomach knowing we lost to them. It was just, thank thank you so much for giving us that win. I know that I'm giving the last point here. So um, before you wrap it up, Matt, I just want to say, um, I, I know this is the, the last show of the season. And I want to say a, a big thank you to the whole Focus team. Uh, obviously, it's been a weird few months for everybody with lockdown and and coronavirus and stuff like that and it's been a chaotic uh mini season with games coming relentlessly it's 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 been almost impossible to keep on top of but the dedication from everyone to keep it going you know not just everyone on the pod just the whole team in general people behind the scenes it's it's been a phenomenal effort and you know i I think I, i i'm very proud of of what we've achieved with Fulham focus and it's, it's an honour to, you know, have you all as my friends. Also, thank you to all the listeners, because at the end of the day, you know, we could go down the pub and talk shit to each other. Uh, we don't need to, to to record it at a conference call. So we do it, you know, for their enjoyment. And, and you know, we appreciate their support and, and for them for listening. So hopefully next year, there'll be a lot more, po- a lot more positive uh, things to come. And, you know, on to next season. Well, what a journey it's been. We began at the beginning of last August with a defeat at Barnsley. The season was placed on hold for three months amidst a global pandemic, but finished on Tuesday night with a magnificent 
a beautiful victory over Brentford at Wembley to seal promotion back to the Premier League. Lads, it's been an emotional ride. We don't always agree on everything. It's been an absolute pleasure doing the podcast with you all this season. Genuinely wouldn't change any of it from the banter we have privately to the debates we have on the show. And I can't wait to do it all again with you all next season in the Premier League. To everyone listening at home, hope you've enjoyed the podcast this season. Thank you all for sticking with us and we'll speak to you all soon. For now, though, enjoy the short break. Keep on replaying those wonderful Wembley goals and we'll be back very soon. Take care. Cheers.